our guest this time on what type of person becomes an anaesthetist. I mean, I personally think that anaesthetists are all sort of great people and it, it tends to attract the sort of relaxed um, kind of people you'd like to hang out with, I think. Maybe that's just because I'm another anaesthetist. Welcome to this episode of the Geeky Medics podcast. Hello and welcome to the Geeky Medics podcast. My name is Josh Chambers and and this podcast selfishly gives me an excellent excuse to interview interesting doctors and healthcare professionals from a range of different backgrounds. As I'm sure you can agree, it can sometimes be difficult to know what to specialise in and in particular, it can be difficult to know what certain careers are actually like in practice. With our guests, we drill down into why they chose the speciality they're in and what it's really like to do the job. Today we're joined by Dr. Fiona Donald, a consultant in anaesthetics and president of the Royal College of Anaesthetists. I hope you enjoy. Uh, Dr. Donald, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's it's uh, you know it's lovely to to have on a, a representative from from anaesthetics, and we we haven't had one of those yet. Um, and uh, as people listening to podcasts will know, I sort of uh, uh, think every career is for me, but um, anaesthetics is one of those. Um, what's the best bit about being an anaesthetist? Oh gosh, that's a that's a <laughs> big question to start Thanks. with. <laughs> Thanks for asking me to talk today. I'm delighted to talk about anaesthetics. I could talk about it for ages. So, what's the best thing about anaesthetics? Well, there's there's lots of really good things actually. So you you get to work in a big department. So you have lots of people around you, and they're generally great people. So you have a good time. You work with lots of patients in lots of different areas. And um, I always think the patients are are great as well. I mean, um, they come in all shapes and sizes and you hear lots of different things from different patients and have different experiences with all of them. So that's good. You get to work with lots of different surgeons and lots of different specialties. And that's uh, that's great fun. Um, It's got it's got a bit of everything. So I think the thing about anaesthetics is that you you still you do a lot of technical things. So you retain your your practical skills and technical skills but there's a lot of science behind it obviously and you get to learn a lot of physiology I think that was the first time I really understood physiology was when I was doing my anaesthetic exams but you also get a lot of people think we don't interact with our patients at all because of course they're always asleep but actually you do have to have quite good communication skills because you have to be able to engage your patients and get their confidence really quickly Um, so Actually, I think communication is a really important part of it. So there's just so much going on in anaesthetics that makes it interesting. And I suppose you're, you're talking about, um, uh, I suppose, lots of very different aspects. So, you know, someone who is um, potentially very good at uh, physiology and um, sort of that, that type of thing and communication skills. What sort of type of person, what sort of type of person do you think should or, or, or would go into to anaesthetics um, without maybe just describing yourself? But um. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, there's there's lots of different types of people in anaesthetics, and that's one of the things that we, we might talk about a bit later on, is that there's a lot of different aspects to anaesthetics and you can do different specialisms within it. But um, I think that it's not for everyone. That's certainly true. And I think, you know, if we're talking about medical students, it's good to get experience of it because there are some aspects of it that don't appeal to a lot of people. So obviously one of the things that we do a lot in anaesthetics is we um, send people um, into a state of what we loosely call sleep um, for their operations. And that means that you're taking responsibility for that patient, you know, you're helping them with their breathing, you're supporting mm. circulation, et cetera, et cetera. And some people find that they don't enjoy that sort of thing. They, do, they don't enjoy the immediacy of anaesthetics. So I think it's um, it's good for people who are, as I say, are interested in the physiology, basic sciences, physics, um, and it's good for people who enjoy talking to patients and engaging with their patients. Mm. But there are some people who just mm. find that they, they don't like the immediacy of the specialty. So we'll go, we'll go sort of um, a little bit back before you even sort of chose anaesthetics and, and, and sort of thought of it as a career. Was it something you wanted to do at medical school? Or was it something you just sort of, you know, came into in, you know, early years of being a doctor? Yeah, so um, no, it wasn't something I wanted to do as a medical student. I did do some anaesthetics during my time at, mm. um, at medical school, but not very much. And I didn't really get to grips with what it was all about when I was at um, medical school, uh, which was obviously quite a long time ago. Um, but and, and in fact, originally I went into I, I went to, to become a physician, but I quite quickly realised that probably wasn't the career that I wanted to follow. So um, I looked around to see what other things were around and happened to find a job in anaesthetics. So it was it wasn't planned at all, to be honest. Um, I just um, found a job. And then when I started doing it, I decided that I really enjoyed it and decided that probably was the thing for me. So, no, it was a kind of a it was more of a slow burn, I would say, rather than something that occurred to me when I was um, already you know, yeah. from a young age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's 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 probably quite important because I, I, I suppose I didn't get much, um, much exposure to anaesthetics uh, at medical school. And it wasn't until my foundation years now where I've sort of had time in theatre and you sort of interact with you and um you know usually the anaesthetist sort of set me aside and have sort of a graph a physiology graph of some sorts that they can sort of go through with me and that uh, um, I'm usually sort of very baffled by all the maths but um it's you know they're always very engaging in theatre and um that's something I sort of didn't quite realize until sort of foundation years so um yeah that's interesting you sort of that's when you decided to to, to join yeah yeah and no, I think that's true I think I think maybe now although obviously it's not that long since you're at medical school but mm. the medical students do get more exposure to anesthetics mm. in the sort of perioperative um module that they do and I think it's I think if people want to anesthetics they should um definitely you know try and get into theatre with anesthetists because the beauty is that of course you get one-to-one -one teaching in general mm, and yeah. um and you get to see you know exactly what it is that it involves yeah. and um you can you can get involved in some of the practical procedures and things so i think it, it can yeah, be really yeah, yeah. interesting and also it teaches you stuff that's really useful for mm. when you start in your foundation jobs yeah um a one-to-one -one, uh cannula session with the anesthetist you know is is you know very good from experience um 
So how how is it, what's your perception of the the speciality you know since when you, when you started to to now I mean it, obviously every speciality has changed and you know we're facing big things with the pandemic now but how, how has it changed over, over that time um, that you've sort of been a consultant it's always very difficult to recognise change when you're in it, isn't it? Um, but obviously a lot of things have changed, as you say. So, so if we just start with the simple things like the, the level of monitoring that we have for our patients has changed mm-hmm. enormously. Um, when I started as, a, as an anaesthetist, we had m- many fewer monitors to allow us to see exactly what was happening mm-hmm. with the patient. Yeah. Um, the equipment that we use has changed and you know, the way we can manage airways um, has changed. Um, and I think probably the the role of the anaesthetist has changed a fair bit in that we um, have now moved beyond the operating theatre much mm. more um, mm. than we did when I first started out in anaesthetics in that we're involved in the patient journey from the beginning, really, when they present to the hospital about thinking about getting them ready for their surgery um, certainly for planned operations quite a long way in advance mm-hmm. um, and and also being involved in their post-operative care as well. So, so our, the, our sort of involvement in that journey has expanded out in both directions. Um, and I think also uh, we've probably become involved in more areas of work within the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think those, those are the main changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the fundamentals remain the same. What does the day-to-day job involve then? I mean, you sort of talked about aspects of the job. Um, obviously, you know, sending someone to sleep uh, being a, a main part of your job. But, you know, there's lots of other bits to it. What's the sort of average week look like for, for you? Yeah. So so I can only really talk about my job. As, I, as I've said, anaesthetic jobs are quite variable. So mm. people do lot, lots and lots of different things. And obviously a lot of um, anaesthetists are also also working intensive care. Yeah. So for me, as as you know, I'm an obstetric anaesthetist. So um, although I work a bit less now than I used to, when I was working full time, I would start my week with some obstetrics. So that mm. would involve me coming into the hospital and being involved in a, in a sort of multidisciplinary ward round to see what's happening in our delivery suite and then um, getting on with the things that need doing. So helping women who need um, pain relief for labor. Um, so putting in epidurals and things or helping them when they need cesarean sections or um, other procedures during um during their uh, their labor. Uh, also, we uh, talk to women before they um, come into the delivery seat. So we talk to women who may have particular problems that we need mm-hmm. to sort out with regard to their anaesthetic in the antenatal period. Um, so that would be, you know, my first day, then say mm-hmm. the next day I might be doing a, a general operating list. So I'd come in in the morning, see the patients that I'm going to be looking after that day, have a chat to them to find out a little bit more about them. They would probably have already been seen in a preoperative assessment clinic. So they'd have some, uh, I don't have some knowledge about them already, but I'd just mm-hmm. have a chat to them, get to know them a little bit tell them exactly what's going to happen, then proceed into the operating theatre, get all my equipment and my drugs ready, have a little chat with the team, obviously the team brief as part of the um, WHO checklist bit, and then, uh, you know, start the operating list. And then I might, next day I might be doing emergencies. So then again, you you come into the hospital, you find the, the patients that you're going to be looking after that day, they would be less well prepared probably because they haven't had that uh, time period to get prepared. So you, you see, again, you see them, find out what's going on, do the mm. things you need to do to get them ready for theatre, 
go and get your stuff ready, carry on. So, you know, it sort of, it goes mm, on a bit like yeah, that. And yeah. then there'd be, there'd be bits of teaching. I've always been an educational supervisor. So there'd be bits of talking to your trainees. Mm. I've, I've been a college tutor in the past. So there was a lot of, um, you know, talking to our trainees as, as well. And um, just, you know, lots of things going on. So that's, you know, a typical week is never yeah. typical, is it? <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, and lots of people say that. Um, so I suppose the the one thing I, I know pe- perhaps puts people off anaesthetics would be the exams. Mm-hmm. Um, what, did you find them tricky? I mean, you said that that was the bit you 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 finally understood physiology, but yeah, it kind of sound <laughs> sound quite daunting. Yes, I think. I mean. No, nobody likes exams, do they? And I think, you know, whichever branch of medicine you go into, you're going to have to do exams. Um, for some anaesthetists, the ones who become intensive care doctors, obviously they get the double whammy of two lots of exams. Oh. Um, I think what, so I you know, full confession here, I did fail one part. I, when I took my exams, uh, there were three parts to the anaesthetic exams and I failed the first part the first time I took it, um, but got it the second time. Um, so, you know, I think, and I think my mistake there when I first took it was that I hadn't prepared well enough. So I think, you know, you do have to set aside a fair chunk of time to prepare for the exams and also get help with preparing for the exams because it's quite easy to, um, prepare in the wrong way and sort of end up going down the wrong sort of in the wrong direction for the things you need to know so you know talk to talk to people who've done the exams look at resources that are available to help you go on courses those those be my my sort of tips Mm. i mean the exams that we have i mean there's there's a fair bit of basic science in our exams so and i think some people do find that daunting but as i say i think the exam really helps you to understand the physics and the pharmacology that underpin everything that anaesthetists do. And um, it was it was like a light bulb going on when I finally understood mm. some of the, some of that physiology and pharmacology, and some of the physics, because you, you you finally understand where everything fits together and why things happen and what the effect of what you do is. So um, it's I. I agree that exams are something that nobody really wants to do, but I think if you can manage to get that preparation time and use all the resources that are available, actually the reward that you gain from getting that exam is worth it. That was a. Uh, that was very nicely put. as an advert for um to, to to attempt to sit the exam, but yeah, okay. That um. So uh, the training pathway, I think, some what people like about it, and and that I've sort of talked to to people about it is actually um trainees feel you know relatively well supported um particularly you know as you say for for sitting exams and things like that and you know there's lots of opportunities for one-to-one teaching um but then i know there's obviously difficulties with training places and i mean this isn't just specific for anesthetics but you know across the board really but surgery and you know various other specialties so what what sort of the training like for for an anesthetist so, um, so at the moment, training is so for for, for anaesthetics, it's a minimum of seven years, and um, it's not run through training. So you you do your core training or your what's going to become stage one training because I don't know if you know we're in the middle of we've just changed over to a new curriculum which changes mm. things slightly. So now stage one training is three years. So that's the first bit, unless you're doing the acute uh, care common stem training, in which case it's four years. Mm. 
And then you then have to reapply in order to do your stages two and three, which were the intermediate and um, advanced training. So, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it, and then there, and as you very correctly pointed out, there have been difficulties, particularly recently, with the number of training places available for the number of people applying for them at that mm -hmm. bit where you apply um, for your stages two and three training. And that, you know, there's been that's partly an effect of the pandemic and it's partly because we don't have enough training places for the number of anaesthetists that we need to train yeah. and so we're we're working on the latter of those we're hoping that the pandemic will eventually not be a big issue i think everyone's hoping that um but we are working on trying to get more training places for anaesthetics um mm. but as you very greatly point out everybody's looking to get more training places yeah. so um i think you know, as, as I say, because it's not run through training, there are those two points where you have to apply, which obviously, you know, is means that that, that can be more troublesome. But I think um, during the first bit, so in stage one, you um, and this is one of the reasons that we've changed it from being a two year process to a three year process. You have to pass the primary part of the anaesthetic exam mm -hmm. and that we'd found that people found that difficult within two years. So, and, and often had to do an extra year outside training in order to be able to complete the primary exam. So now people will have three years in order to, to do all the training they need to do in the stage one and then complete their primary exam. And by the end of that stage, they should have a pretty good, you know, they should have pretty good skills in anaesthetics and be able to provide anaesthetics for um, patients you know, on their own with with some supervision, obviously, uh, but mm. not direct supervision, and will have um, passed their primary exam, and then they would apply for the sort of higher specialist training in in anaesthetics, and then during that period, which is um, a four uh, four year period, they would then have to get their final. FRCA in the first couple of years, and then they'd have the last two years to sort of round everything off. Um, and what we're what we're trying to produce by the end of anaesthetic training is anaesthetists who've got a broad range of skills and knowledge and can anaesthetize a wide range of patients needing um, care in, in a in a wide variety of circumstances. Mm. And then people will often choose to specialize in certain areas and, and hone down their practice into, into one or more um, mm. areas that interest them. And we talked a little bit about those subspecialties. So um, yours is obstetrics and, and we talked a little bit about the ITU. And what are there set subspecialties or, or are there just sort of specialist interests or a bit of both or, yeah. There's a bit of both. So, um, so intensive care is a CCT in its own right. So you can just train in, you know, can train as an intensive care mm. doctor and not all intensive care doctors are anaesthetists, although yeah. it's still the majority. Um, there's also, um, there's a, most other things are sub, sort of subspecialty interests. So mm. within the college, there is also the faculty of pain medicine. So some anaesthetists choose to um, specialize in chronic pain and also acute pain. Um, others will choose to, um, like me, to, to have a subspecialty interest in obstetrics. I think it's, it would be quite rare for somebody to do solely obstetric anesthesia, although I'm sure there are people around the country who, who sure. do do that. Um, so for me, it was a sort of majority part of my job plan when I was working full time. Mm. Um, 
there, there's so many things that you can have a sort of specialty interest in. So mm. it, it could be um, neuroanesthesia, cardiac anesthesia. Um, uh, I'm trying to think now. Uh, there's, there's all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Vascular, pediatric, obviously pediatrics. So the pediatric anesthetists, um, they... So there's 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 a variety of different settings for that. So some anesthetists work exclusively in sort of pediatric hospitals, and so their practice will be entirely working with children and anesthetizing children mm. um, of of varying ages. Whereas other anesthetists will have a subspecialty interest in pediatric anesthesia and will work in a hospital which treats both adults and children, and um, but will have you know a number a number of their days spent mm. working. Um, to anesthetize children mm. so yeah you could it, it's really pretty flexible in anesthetics and you, mm. you can choose you know a lot of anesthetists have an interest in regional anesthesia for instance um, so can yeah. provide um, anesthesia using local anesthetic blocks for various parts of the body um, uh, so yeah it's 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 almost infinite I mm. would say so uh, I sort of speaking to medical students myself and, and sort of we've alluded to this previously, but um, I think anaesthetics kind of sounds like a difficult specialty to get into. Uh, and perhaps it perhaps it isn't. I, but what, what sort of things would you recommend medical students do to sort of um, understand if they like anaesthetics or to sort of sort of boost their applications? Mm, absolutely. So I think um, what's really important is when, you know, when you're doing your um, attachment in anaesthetics, as a medical student is try try to get to theatre as much as possible because as as we've said you know you will get one one to one teaching and it'll give you a really good insight into anaesthetics you can then i mean obviously there are bits of your course where you can kind of choose a bit what you do so there's your elective and then there is the sort of um other projects that you do so you can try and get involved at that stage in you know do your elective maybe in in anaesthetics or intensive care and uh, try and do projects within that time and then I think when you're applying for foundation posts if you try and get um, a post that involves either perioperative medicine or intensive care or both that will give you a good insight into anaesthetics. The Royal College has um, a membership for medical students and foundation doctors and certainly for medical students it only costs £10 and you get, you get to, um, so that gives you access to quite a lot of resources that you might otherwise not have you get 75% off going to courses and events at the at the college or that the college organises. We have careers fairs where you can go along and, and talk to people about a career in anaesthetics, which I think is always helpful because it's always better to get it from the horse's mouth, isn't it? And um, and it just, you know, just sort of allows you to become a little bit more involved with the specialty and, and see exactly how it does work. So, I mean, I think those would be the things that I would say. And then when you're when you are in your foundation years, um, so say, for example, if you were doing an intensive care job or a perioperative um, medicine job, in order to build up your, your CV to get the points that you need for your application, if you're, you're thinking about doing um, anaesthetics, it's about doing, you know, quality improvement projects that are linked to anaesthetics um, in some way and just showing showing an interest really is the is the way forward, I think. Yeah. And and you, of course, haven't just um, just sort of done anaesthetics. You've sort of done other things. And you, you mentioned about sort of being a, a tutor and education as well. But you also have a role within the Royal College um, more recently. So, yeah, if you tell us a bit, tell us a bit about that. 
Yes, I've been involved with the Royal College for quite a while now. So obviously, as I said, I was a college tutor many years ago. So that's a that's sort of affiliated with the with the college, obviously. Um, but then I became an examiner um, for the FRCA exam uh, t- uh, in around 2009, did that for a number of years. And then <clears throat> I, I applied to join the council of the, or stood to join the council yeah. of the, the college and was, was elected. And then in 2019, I was elected vice president. And then this year, no, last year now, 2021 mm. i was um i stood and became the president of the royal college of anesthetists which i've been since september last year so um so as president i chair the council of the um of the royal college and i also chair the board of trustees so it's a re- it's a really interesting role not something i ever thought mm. i would be doing um so what I do is work with the council members and the trustees to, <clears throat> sorry, to sort of oversee, oversee the specialty and to help the membership and um, try and improve things for them, uh, provide resources for them, support them in their work, um, advocate for them. Um, so it's a it's a very varied, very interesting. And um, unexpected role, is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, and completely different to sort of what you trained in initially. Um, but that must be quite nice, I imagine, having sort of yeah something different to your sort of day to day job. And yeah, it is. It is actually. I mean, it's quite a it's it, it's quite a busy job. I would say. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> you get yeah. to being vice president and president, so which is why I'm only working part-time um, yeah. clinically now but yes it's quite nice to have the combination of the two so there are days when I'm very glad to just be in the hospital dealing with the patients mm. and not being yeah. um, able to be bothered by anything else mm. but I equally I very much enjoy working with the team at the college you know both the staff members and um, the other clinicians who who volunteer to to work at the college and um, it's uh, it's fascinating to have an insight into how the how that works and how the college does work and what it does do for mm. uh, the membership and for the specialty um and then to be able to sort of see that working in practice when i get back into my clinical practice yeah yeah and and you must be looking forward to as you say looking forward to going back into hospital as opposed to sort of you know that's that must be quite nice um yeah, absolutely. What, so i suppose a final couple of questions i guess um what what's What's the most difficult part of your job? Uh, and then what's the best bit of your job? <laughs> really, I, it's really difficult to know what I would consider the most difficult part of my job. I mean, so I, I mean, I used to find when I was, uh, you know, a more junior doctor um, before I became a consultant and obviously doing a lot of on call I used to find being up all night quite difficult, <laughs> um, but um, and I found it more difficult as I got older and and certainly as a consultant um, uh, when I was still doing the the acute um, on call, I did I did find those those hours and and being up at night quite difficult. Mm. So I guess, but but in an acute specialty, you know that kind of goes with the goes yeah. with the terrain. So so yeah, that that's that was possibly the most difficult bit. Although often. It's the really, you know, the really interesting mm. stuff that you you really want to get involved with and, and makes a big difference is that is the stuff that happens um, when you're doing those on calls. 
Um, the most rewarding bit, so much that's rewarding about anaesthetics. I mean, I think um, what what I really like is when I've given, you know, I've given an anaesthetic, a patient's had their operation and they wake up at the end and they're comfortable, they're not feeling sick, the, um, the, the you know, they're, they're sort of quite awake quite quickly, so mm. not too confused. Um, and, 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 you know, and the surgeon feels happy with what they've done as well and so we sort of as a team working with you know with the, the surgeon and the, the the staff within theater we you know you feel like you've done a really good job and mm. it's really made a difference to someone and I think that's what that's what's rewarding about it and I think that, that probably applies for most parts of medicine doesn't it that or all parts of medicine should I say you know it's that's why we're here mm. and and that that really is great um but there are lots of there are lots of aspects of it that are really rewarding i mean working in the teams as i've mentioned um because it, you know it really it really is a, a, a team job it's not something you can do on your own um and having fantastic colleagues i mean i personally think that anesthetists are all sort of great people and it, it tends to attract the sort of relaxed um kind of people you'd like to hang out with i think maybe that's just because i'm another anaesthetist so it might be you're slightly biased but you know i'll let it stand still <laughs> yeah uh that's that's brilliant dr donald thank you thank you very much for joining us on the geeky medics um, podcast it was lovely having you on thank you very much thanks for asking me Thanks to Dr. Donald for joining us on the podcast, as I'm sure she is very busy with the work with the Royal College and her usual job as well. Um, if you enjoyed this episode as ever and you want to hear more from us, then please consider subscribing through your podcast provider. You can also follow Geeky Medics on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. We'd love to hear from you for suggestions on who you would like to hear from next. As always, thank you to the producers of the podcast, Emma Harvey and Lewis Potter.